0: Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and we are bringing you the orange as usual. Today, we've got a couple guests and we're trying something new. We actually have them sitting remotely. So joining today are Ben Wu and Ken Steinhardt. Ben, you are off in Australia right now. Ken, I think you're currently in the Boston area. Welcome both you guys to the
1: podcast. Thanks, Rob. Glad to be here. day, Rob, and thank you. Yeah, good day.
0: Way to to squeeze that in. (laughs) (laughs) Ben, I'll start with you, uh, since it's tomorrow morning for you right now as we're doing this. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your time at Pure. I know you've had extensive experience in the storage industry and some other roles, and and currently what you do with Pure Storage.
1: Sure, thanks, Rob. Uh, I'm the director of the CIA uh, at the Competitive Intelligence Agency here at Pure. Uh, I've been here a uh, little over a year now. Uh, prior to uh, Pure, I was actually an industry analyst, uh, and part of that time was leading the worldwide storage research at IDC. Uh, prior to IDC, I was actually a, a sales guy. I uh, sold disc and tape uh, and did that for 17 years between Australia and New York City.
0: It's always good to know that you carried a bag for a little bit of time, right? That's great experience to have.
1: It absolutely is.
0: Awesome. Well, Ken, I'll shift to you just because I like to give an introduction to everybody that's listening in. Your role, I know you're in Andy's org in the, in the uh, pure, what we call our sales engineering organization and, and focusing around enablement, but a number of other things, I think, right?
2: Uh, whatever needs getting done. If it's orange, uh, I love it. Yeah, I'm a bit I'm a bit of a fossil. I started in IT 45 years ago on the customer side and then uh, 16 years at Digital Equipment Corporation and uh More significantly after that, 20 years at EMC Corporation, where I was the vice president for the enterprise storage space and the chief technology officer for global product sales.
0: So you've experienced just about every type of storage media that there is in the industry, have you?
2: Uh, yeah, they, they used to go, you know, you could actually watch the disc spin pretty slow back when I first got into it.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, I'm pleased to have you both on. I know we're going to be talking about some of the, the advantages that Pure has from a competitive standpoint, but I always love to start contextually. And maybe to the point that we just talked about with all the different storage media that's out there going from tape to disk. And now it really seems that all flash is, is sort of a mainstream thing. Kind of, What's your perspective on what that looks like? Ken, I'll start with you maybe because you have uh, that pretty extensive background.
2: Yeah, the world has clearly moved to all flash at this point and there's no turning back. I believe uh, one of the analyst uh, assessments of the market recently showed that this last quarter was the first time when revenue in all flash has actually now surpassed in the enterprise space, conventional storage. And at this point, there will be no turning back for all the right reasons. It's faster, it takes up less space, less weight, less power, less cooling. And when you can find ways to make it very economically attractive and economically viable, um, literally you get the best of both worlds without compromise.
0: Yeah, and I think you know I'm interested. You know, one of the the transition points was the you know the idea of running your mission critical apps. And I know for years and years it was like, well, disk is rock solid. And maybe with flash, you know, it was a new technology, even though, you know, non volatile, no moving parts. Um, But what, what does that look like now when you're talking about running flash for mission critical environments, right? You're talking about the data assets that are so important for these companies. Why is flash being used more and more for that? Right. Well, the world
2: of mission-critical computing really has evolved, and Flash has only made it better. There are really two criteria that define really if something is mission-critical or not when you're really netted out. One is you must be able to provide continuous availability, which is probably the greatest of the two criteria. And the second is you must be able to provide consistent performance while you're providing continuous availability. Uh, Sometimes you'll find aspects of uh, wanting to be sure, of course, that the data you write is the data you get back for data integrity. And uh, we do a lot of very clever things with Flash that have evolved there to make sure that occurs. But really the essence of mission criticality is being able to make sure that you can keep things running all the time for people that need it and making sure that you have consistent performance that also isn't compromised by that availability. Um, The basics for how you get there often uh, have evolved in the industry to be where today uh, you would expect redundancy of all major components so that there's never any potential single point of failure. And also you'd want to be able to, in the case of an individual component does fail, obviously you need to be able to swap those components live while things stay continuously operational. And um, even if you want to take it to the really next step, you want to be able to even upgrade technology while everything stays continuously available and at full performance.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, performance <laughs> being being the, the critical thing uh, to go along with all that. Um, ben, I'll, I'll shift to you in, in your experience based on what Ken's just been talking about. And I know you have a lot of interactions both with, with our, you know, our field folks as well as customers. How, how important are those features, right? Is that top of the list? I mean, what, what are we looking at there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, at the end of the day, what customers are looking for is a reliable system. I think the one key thing we all have to remember is that you know IT stands for information technology, not infrastructure technology. And one of the things that Flash brings to the table is this level of reliability. And the reliability translates to the ability to not spend time on tweaking because the media, the medium is actually very fast, it's very reliable, it delivers performance capacity, et cetera, et cetera. So you can now focus on activities in the IT department that is focused more around information. And what that means is creating more value to the organization.
0: So, again, building on that, um, you know, there's a notion along with mission criticality where we talk about uh, efficiency and cost related to those things, right? You can have all the mission criticality and, you know, can the things you mentioned about having hot swap and redundant everything, but typically that comes at a cost. So what, Ben, what does it mean to have efficient storage and what are some of the vectors and areas that, that customers are evaluating? Is it just cost or, or are there other things?
1: No, really cost. Should not be the main thing that they're looking at. I think that they need to look at the fact that um, cost is something that is reflective of you know their investment, but the cost of the purchase of a solution isn't the be-all and end-all. They really need to look at truly the effectiveness of what they're buying. And one of the areas that they can look at is the fact that with Flash, we can bring a lot of efficiency through technologies such as deduplication and compression. One thing that I think it's important to listeners is the fact that the duplication and compression are the only two technologies that actually reduce data? Um, there are things, uh, there are technologies like thin provisioning, which, and also snapshots, which can bring your overall l- view or perspective of efficiency, um, but it's, it, Uh, bring that uh, view up. However, it really isn't a true reflection of how efficient the system can get. Ken probably can give you a little bit more of the technical aspects towards that.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, you know, as you're talking about data reduction and that kind of technology, Ken, what's really going on under the covers, right, when you're looking at this? And you can even add a little pure spin on it if you want to.
2: Absolutely. When it comes to efficiency, there are really five different aspects of data reduction that Pure applies. And this has always been from the beginning that uh, we've realized if you're going to make flash truly available for the masses, you've got to find ways to be able to make it a lot more efficient. The first is pattern removal. Basically, we can identify and remove binary patterns, including zeros. Uh, Second, has been mentioned, is inline deduplication. And here we've gone to a very granular unit of measurement and comparison that we use far more so than most of our competitors so that we can deduplicate significantly more information than their technologies are capable of technically. The third is inline compression where obviously we're going to shrink the data even further and then after the data's already been ingested we'll compress it even further with post-ingestion deep compression that goes on as a background task and then lastly is copy reduction, where, for example, if we were to create a clone, since we're natively deduped all the time, it's only metadata that we're creating and the data is instantly deduped. So the combination of those five technologies tend to give us an incredible amount of data reduction.
0: So how does that compare to the competition then? Again, you know, without calling out names or anything like that, but uh, I'm sure competitors make similar claims. What, what's the reality, right? There's got to be some type of technological difference that we can point to there.
2: Absolutely. We tend to see if you had to take a wide swipe at it, roughly about a two to one advantage versus the bulk of our major competitors. And this is driven by those five individual components. And it's been mentioned All too often our competitors like to bundle in things like thin provisioning to try to show uh, or claim a high number of data reduction. The reality is, who are we kidding? Everybody does thin provisioning these days. It's not like there's a wide swath of massive thickly provisioned volumes out there that suddenly magically are going to come to this technology and uh, be data reduced compared to what they otherwise would have been. So we tend to see in the real world numbers in the range on average of around a five to one data reduction. It's not unusual that that number is greater than even the marketing claims that some of these other people are making about adding in things like clones and snaps and thin provisioning. Those are a little bit more esoteric in terms of uh, where you could possibly get real value. The real value comes from real true data reduction from technologies like compression and dedupe. And in those fronts, we're just unmatched right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And lots of technology investment that goes into that, which again, kind of comes back to the cost thing that we started this line of questioning. And if people look just at the sheer cost and are familiar with disk, you know, flash is still expensive, more expensive than, than disk. When you take a look at that, what is, are these the kind of things that bridge that divide, right? These investments in these additional technologies, maybe for you, Ben?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think it's important that customers understand when they ask their storage vendor um, for X amount of storage, that they're trying to understand, is that inclusive of all um, the technologies that are around? You know, we find that sometimes customers say, hey, I need 200 terabytes of storage uh, for my application but they're not understanding whether that's 200 terabytes with or without thin provisioning. We can actually help with that to understand what is the true utilization. And at that point, we can really hone in on A, the application type, B, the data type, and C, the true need of the customer. And the great thing with Pure, too, I think uh, I would like to point out, is the fact that it's very easy for us to upgrade. Um, and we'll talk about like that some more, I'm sure, but the fact that we can enter at a point which serves today's needs and easily upgrade non um, with data in place without ever having to do data migration, I think it's a really big benefit for the customer.
0: Absolutely, for sure, understand that. Um, let me shift topics a little bit and shift gears and I'll stay on you, Ben. Um, we, we do talk about pure being sort of effortless to use and we're kind of moving away from the efficiency cost discussion but more on a, a usage thing and you know at surface level perhaps that sounds like you know marketing spin um if you will but we, we do hear stories right about admins spending you know hours of tuning and and spending all this time configuring, configuring and optimizing um storage so in our mind
1: what is it to be effortless and why is that Sure, so when you tune or optimize a storage system, you're looking at things like, do I want to do data compression? Do I want to do the duplication? How, how do I want to distribute the data? Do, is it on flash? Is it on disk? Is it on this? Is it on that? Do I want data encryption? Do I want quality of service? For many of our competitors, all of these are knobs that have to be tuned or turned for every single Lund volume. That takes time and effort. And frankly, it sometimes takes trial and error. When we talk about effortless here at CURE, we include all those technologies which are always on. So essentially what we're saying is, don't worry about any of the stuff that you would normally have to go optimize or turn the knob on. It's always on, it's always working. And the performance that we deliver is inclusive of all those things working in the background so the great thing about effortless in pure is that when you create a volume you only have to know two things how big is it and what do you want to call it and that's it you never have to touch that again except if you want to increase the size of the volume or in some cases if you want to change the name that's true effortless
0: for sure, and Ken, we were talking earlier prior to doing this about the notion of sort of storage intelligence, and uh, I was intrigued by that term that, uh, that, we, that we chatted about. Um, talk a little bit more about smart storage and how that translates to business value, and then maybe a little bit on, uh, you know, everybody's throwing around technical terms right now, and AI, it seems like everything, you know, is around that sort of storage intelligence. What's the reality and what's fiction?
2: Sure. Uh, When you really net it out, the value of intelligence and storage to me is along the lines of what Ben just said. How effortless and simple can you make it? And the real true measure is how much does the system do things that otherwise, if it wasn't quite as smart, would have had to have been done by a really smart person manually doing it. So all of those manual levers that our competitors still tend to have that you've got to babysit and worry about, that's a person having to do it. And if you really want to get to the issues of intelligence, it's simplifying that to the point where the system does it itself. Now, amazingly, some of our competitors, as you say, are throwing around everything from uh, machine learning, autonomous storage, artificial intelligence. Yeah. You know, <laughs> hey, we've, we've got all of this. Right. Um, um, uh, incredibly, one of our major competitors, what they mean by that is, um, I will look at the actual events that are taking place on my storage. And if I had somewhere to move the things that are really hot, that are faster, I would do that. If I had the ability to move the things that are really cold and not being accessed to a lower cost device, I would do that, except on an all-flash array, there's nowhere to move it except to where it already sits. So they literally make, in the case of one, it's something like they're talking about 40 million uh, things that they evaluate to then make six billion decisions a day where those six billion decisions are in the present tense things don't actually do anything so if you're going to add value it's did you really provide something that let the machine do things that people otherwise wouldn't have had to do as opposed to deciding to do something that really goes nowhere
0: yeah yeah well now let me let me Take that from a different level, too, because there's things that people have to do. But then once you have everything installed and running, you get challenges, right, where you have applications trying to take over one another, right, the noisy neighbor problem and uh, things around tenancy. So where, where did, does QoS fit in that story as well? Is that is that an aspect of this? Absolutely. We have a
2: standard and included, along those features that Ben mentioned, quality of service aspect to make sure that uh, no individual apps take too much of the system resource, so we intelligently will throttle back ones that inappropriately start to grab too much resource. Um, Some of our competitors give you the ability to manually attempt to do those kinds of things, and usually it's a carryover from when there were many different classes of storage, fiber channel, SATA, flash, and a mix of things, and you wanted to keep the ones that you really wanted running on the SATA from stepping on the ones that were up on the flash. We don't have those problems inherently in an all-flash array in how we've implemented it, and as a result, we can tend to deliver consistent, very good performance.
0: Outstanding. Um, so let me let me shift gears from the effortless piece um, to one that I think we're pretty proud of here, which is uh, what we call Evergreen, right? And. Um, Evergreen, totally blatant plug here, was one of the first couple of episodes that we covered. Uh, I had Kevin Rickson, the product marketing manager, on who covers Evergreen on to uh, discuss that. So, um, you know, to to shorten the time of this pod, we won't go into a massive amount of detail on it. You can go back and uh, listen to that one. Um, But but Ben, Evergreen, from a competitive standpoint, and go ahead and, and you know give a couple lines on on what it is for folks that may be just listening now, um, I kind of like the line, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but this is really an outstanding model for, for customers to uh, avoid cost throughout the process of owning storage and avoid disruption.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, We've seen our competitors attempt to imitate what we do from a business model. Um, but actually, you know, to be frank, those um, imitations or that attempt to be evergreen is nothing more than marketing um, programs that are wrapped around the, the, uh, their products. Evergreen for uh, Pure is unique. It's unique to us and unique in so many different ways. The most important thing is that our products are engineered evergreen. And what that means is what I talked about a little earlier, which is the fact that we can do non-disruptive upgrades of any component, whether it's hardware or software, whether it's media, the back end, the controllers, frankly, different generations which um, uh, go across different chassis. Right, Being able to do that non-disruptively, with data in place, with no data migration. And it's the last piece, the no data migration, which is very unique. Well, not very unique, it is unique to Pure, right? And when we look at the ownership model, this, this unique subscription to innovation, what that means is that the customer will never have to rebuy a single terabyte ever again. So whatever you invest in today to hold your data can persist throughout the lifetime of changes to everything around it, and and that's that's the unique feature about Evergreen, and that's what really makes it so different from everybody else.
0: Yeah, and that's massive, right? I know we have customers that invested in some of the uh, the, the earliest arrays uh, that that we offered, who are just coming around to. Uh, to, to, you know, doing upgrades and doing those non-disruptive upgrades, which means, you know, it's, it's engineered, right? I mean, from the start, this was the concept, right, Ken? Well, that's um, a key, that very key yeah.
2: point. And um, really, the essence is we had the luxury of being able to see decades of what storage architectures look like before we architected the pure technologies. And we asked customers what they liked, what they didn't like. And this whole issue of migrations is a critical one. The challenge is how can you stay live forever without a performance hit and still get new state of the art technology. And the approach that we took really is quite unique and it's it's often misunderstood clearly by our competitors um, in that. What we have is really quite a unique animal. Uh, They see our product usually through their own filters of what their traditional dual controller legacy architectures look like. And in fact, what we've done is really something radically different. The front end on our product is active-active. We basically take in with redundant connectivity the IOs from servers, but the back end of our product, we actually have a pass-through between the two controllers. So only one of them is ever live taking and pushing all of the data to the back end. Now, the reason this is so critically important is it is what enables you to do things like a non-disruptive upgrade without a migration, without a performance hit. Um, Most of these traditional dual controller architectures that are out there, if you have a failure of any component and it fails over to the second controller, oftentimes the vendor could rightfully claim, hey, my system is still live and operational, But in the real world, very often customers have experienced outages in that situation because they didn't have the resources to be able to continue to push the IOs and operating systems and applications start timing out. Because when you lose half in those kinds of architectures, it's not 50% of your performance you've lost. All too often, it's substantially more. We literally do not have that problem at all with Pure's Flash Array. And it's it's an incredibly misunderstood concept. And that is what enables us to be able to continuously upgrade new technology, bring in uh, new iterations of the technology, do it all online, and basically being able to do it continuously operational without a performance hit. There's literally no one else in the market that's capable of doing that. And back to your previous point of what is and is not mission critical, That's about as mission critical as you can actually get. And ironically, even some of our competitors publicly like to inappropriately and inaccurately say that they see a dual controller architecture and think it's, quote, non-mission critical. Nothing could be further from the truth.
0: Yeah, and you use the word migration a number of times. I I, I really dislike that word just because it generally implies pain and uh, pain and suffering. Um, but also a word that you'll see a lot of times with our competitors, the word supported, right? That that you know upgrades are supported throughout the migration process. Uh, that just it kind of boggles my mind, Ken.
2: Oh yeah, I and that tends to be the lead story from a lot of people. that can't do a non-disruptive upgrade in in data in place and add new technology in at the same time, the only thing they can hope for is how to make their migrations less painful. The only thing better than a non-disruptive migration is never having to do the migration at all. Yeah, in the first place. Yeah. And being able to, and ultimately... When you can deliver a platform that has proven itself at being able to deliver six nines of availability, literally 99.9999 as a single platform, and on top of that, we can add included active cluster capability without needing a separate license or separate technology, all part of the platform, and we can get six nines and better doing that, where others to be able to try to approach that level of availability, typically must resort to some form of remote replication to be able to try to play in the same league that we do.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know what, you know, Rob, one of the things too with, with migrations, and I think it's important to note for our listeners, is the fact that migrations are risky. You know, um, And the whole thing, like Ken said before, if you have never have to do a migration, you completely eliminate the risk. You know, one of our competitors likes to talk about the never worry migration. Well, let's not do migrations at all, right? <laughs> right. That makes and you worry. You seem not to worry about it. That's truly it never
0: on. worrying, right? If you're exactly. not doing exactly. <laughs> <But> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna shift to our last area here, and I love putting putting folks on the spot. This is always a, f- a fun topic area that I like to hit on. Uh, ben, I'll let you go first. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious. I know you have a lot of interaction, as I mentioned earlier, with, with our customers. I wanted to just see if you could share anecdotally maybe one of the success stories you had related to one of these areas that we talked about, or maybe all of them, but something that stood out to you. What did we solve for? What were the customer issues? Issues, maybe how was the competition coming into it, uh, and you know you don't have to name the customer, but maybe an industry, something like that, but I'll put you on the spot. Do you have one of those yeah. that you can share?
1: Yeah, one of our early customers who uh, purchased into our FA400 series, so it was our second generation product, right, um, they have since upgraded with their data in place, right, never had right. to upgrade, yeah. um, through to our M series. Right, which was a completely different chassis, by the way, to get NVMe ready at the time. And they've now upgraded to the X-series with all NVMe all the way through. And they've never had to do a migration. And that's just absolutely spectacular. The customer has said to us, listen, I love the fact that I'm getting the latest technology every few years which I would have had to pay for, migrate my data to, and learn the whole new system all over again. With Pure, it hasn't ever changed, yet they've been able to take advantage of all these other hardware changes, because we have a stateless architecture, so you can literally change the hardware, the software, whatever else, and never affect the data. that's been brilliant for the customer and they've saved hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout the lifetime of their ownership with Pure.
0: And that's happiness on many levels, right? I mean, we we talked about the effortless piece and avoiding outages which hits, you know, the folks that are actually working with the hardware, the storage admins, but the cost savings is great for, you know, the IT department and their budgets and and for, you know, the, the CFO. I mean, that's that's up up and down all the ranks,
1: right? Absolutely. And you know what? I, I love hearing from customers, and I've heard this multiple times. The three words, it just works.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a very good accolades if you can get those three words. Ken, I'll put you on the spot then. Same, uh, same sets of questions. Any interesting customer anecdote that you can share with the listeners that you ran into that speaks to one of these areas?
2: My absolute, my absolute favorite is one from even well before, years before I joined Pure, That one of the first times I ever heard about Pure. Um, I was doing a non-disclosure presentation on the next generation high-end technology for another vendor at their executive briefing center. And the customer that was there, who was a, a loyal long-term customer of the company I was representing, happened to just mention that they had deployed um, Pure and i said tell me a little bit more about it and they they took it you know kind of funny and said well you know we love you guys and we you know we like what we've been able to do in the past with your scale out architecture but we've seen something that uh, for a lot of the applications we're running to be candid we really like better and i said what's better about it and they said well instead of having to do our traditional scale out which just increases our footprint and our space and our power and everything else with this Pure system, first of all, it was ridiculously simple to install. Uh, it, we just you know, basically plugged it in and brought it up and connected it and there it was. And then after that, we saw the performance, of course, we saw the data reduction. So what we used to have to store on your old system at 100 terabytes is now like 20, 25 terabytes on this platform. And when we went to upgrade it, all we had to do was basically uh, go through the process in an incredibly short period of time during production, during the day, in the same footprint that we already had, and suddenly we have new state-of-the-art technology that's faster uh, that we can then build and grow from um, that is incredibly smaller, incredibly more efficient, and um, you know we, we just love what we've seen. And uh, this was sort of a wake-up call to me that it's, <laughs> I think I'd better go learn a little bit more about this company called Pure.
0: Yeah, how'd the rest of that briefing go? (laughs) It actually went
2: very well. uh, But um, fast forward, the key is fast forward to now, it's years later. And when I joined Pure, I asked about that particular customer. And I found out, very similar to the story that Ben just told, they have now successfully been through four complete iterations of non-disruptive upgrades in their chassis with zero downtime continuous operation well planned economics so they knew what to expect when to expect it and they absolutely love the technology and it's it's carried forward as much as they loved it when I first met them they love it even more now because now they're seasoned experienced uh, at being able to do these kinds of things.
0: It's a fantastic you know, example, Rob, and you hit across the board. You hit the mission critical, you hit the cost and efficiency, you hit the evergreen piece, and you hit it just works from a happy customer. That's, that's just fantastic.
1: And you know what, uh, Rob, the one customer said to us um, that I heard uh, as I was speaking to them, they said, you know, we used to come in on a weekend and do these upgrades. We worry on Monday morning that, that the phone's going to ring, that something went wrong. We now don't do weekend upgrades. We do it at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning when I'm at the office, when I've had my coffee and I've got my weekends back. Gotta love that. Pure right. storage,
0: I mean, pure storage, yeah. giving people time back, right? Yeah, absolutely. Go.
2: And not, on, not only can our competitors not do these non-disruptive upgrades with data in place, but when they do do their migrations, even if they are disruptive, tend typically their best practices are to never do them during peak performance hours because of the potential risks of performance. To possibly add additional paths, all sorts of things that, uh, as Ben mentioned earlier, inject risk into that process that is definitely not always obvious.
0: Well. I think on that, that's a great place to wrap. You guys uh, hit a lot of great points with both the, your uh, customer examples. I love that they were ones that experienced Pure somewhat early on as well, right? So we could talk about them going through uh, that that cycle of non disruptive upgrades. Um, ben, where where do you where do you want to send folks for more information to learn more? What's the best place to go get up to speed on more of these things?
1: I think the best thing, obviously, is to go to our website to take a look, uh, www.purestorage.com. Or, you know, better still, give our guys a call. Take our products for a spin, for proof of concept, and experience it for yourself. You know, one of our partners just told me last night, I'm here in Australia with a bunch of partners. And the partner said to me, you know, we brought Pure in and we brought one of your competitors in. I'm not a storage admin but I was able to get your systems up and running, connected and ready to go in an hour. Your competitor took three weeks, including having to have one of my guys who actually came from that competitor to join the partner. And it took them three weeks to get the system up and running. Three weeks? I think it, three weeks. Oh, so man. what I can say is, give us a call. Take our systems for a spin and experience it for yourself.
0: Absolutely. Get a hold of your local partner. Contact our, uh, our local sales teams. They would be delighted uh, to come and let you give those a shot. Ken, parting words from you?
2: Uh, I think that's that's great advice from Ben. And the only piece that I would possibly add to that is, in addition to taking it for a spin, uh, as you know, and obviously uh, getting onto our website and talking to us, talk to our other customers. Um, they are probably the greatest single source of of uh, some of the lessons learned of just how it just works. And uh, talk to them as well. Ask them the hard questions. Ask them would they do it again and why.
0: And I always think it's a great sign of a good product and, and, and set of products in a company when you have customers that are extremely referenceable. And I've, I've noticed that about our customers. So we appreciate them uh, always saying nice things on our behalf, but also given some of the reality of it as well. Right. It's, a, you know, it's always a learning process and a, and a partnership. Uh, Well, guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to join, particularly remotely at uh, crazy time zones. Ben, I know you got to get off probably for the workday there. And Ken, I got to let you get on to a glass of wine or something like that in the evening. (laughs) He's already had several. But uh, thank you guys both for joining. This was a pleasure. Let's uh, do it again soon. And for everybody that's listening, we, uh, we appreciate you listening. Thank you for that. Please tell a, a colleague, a coworker, uh, subscribe, leave your feedback. We'll keep these episodes coming to you. And with that, we'll close with For Pure Storage, Ben Wu and Ken Steinhardt. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you. Thanks, guys.